0: Hello, welcome to the Suffolk Money podcast, supported by Kingsfleet Wealth. Thank you for joining us. There'll be no dispute that over the last few years we've seen significant changes to our high street. Sadly, a number of retail outlets that we've been familiar with have closed or changed their name. But one recent name change that you may have noticed in Suffolk is the change from the Ipswich Building Society to the Suffolk Building Society. Well in today's conversation we speak with Richard Norrington who's the chief executive of what was formerly the Ipswich Building Society and is now the Suffolk Building Society. We talk to him about his background, about the history of the building society itself and why they felt it appropriate to change the name. After all this podcast is all about what you can do with your money and there are ultimately three things. You can spend it, you can give it away, or you can save it. So, this is one of the great savings institutions of Suffolk. This is Richard Norrington from the Suffolk Building Society.
1: It's been a really exciting time at the at the Suffolk Building Society. Um, so we have um, we have changed our name from the Ipswich Building Society to the Suffolk Building Society, and. It's fair to say that's not for the faint-hearted, Colin. I think <laughs> probably best put it when you when you change your name. But uh, perhaps as I'll come on to explain a little later in this conversation about why uh, we decided to um, uh, change to the Suffolk Building Society. Um, but in terms of yes, it's been busy. Sure has. It's been planned for actually a couple of years. It was a it was a decision actually that our, our members took. Uh, they voted um, actually in March of last year, in 2020, they voted 93% uh, actually to move the name to Suffolk Building Society from Ipswich Building Society. And we have been known actually over the years as both Ipswich and Suffolk. So this is Suffolk is nothing new to us. Indeed, that's exactly how we, we started our life as the Ipswich and Suffolk actually. Um, so they, they, they took the decision um, 18 months ago, as I say, the members of the society, because that's how we're owned. Um, to move to Suffolk, Um, and of course that's then been another good 18 months in the planning to get it absolutely right. If you um, look around the county that we love, Suffolk, um, you will see across all of our nine branches, and indeed on our head office building, uh, you will see that the branding now and the fascia board all says um, Suffolk Building Society. Um, uh, our branch staff have got new uniforms to uh, go with that and look very smart indeed. Um, but of course, it's not just about the physical presence. It's also, uh, Colin, about the digital presence. And, and if you've had a chance to have a look, uh, you'll see um, our new website, both our website, our mainstream website, but also, of course, our website uh, for our mortgage intermediaries, um, it, which we're both we're proud of very, but um, both absolutely. Um, and they are obviously fully branded up but um, give you all you could possibly want to know about um, uh, saving uh, your money uh, or indeed um, having a
0: mortgage that we can help you. with. You did use the t- term there for the people who made that decision that probably marks out the difference in a building society and that is you talked about members. Maybe tell us a little bit about how you know, how are building societies different? We're familiar with high street banks and we see the name building society, but not everybody knows the difference. So the fundamental difference with a building society
1: is that it is a mutual. So it's mutual because it's for mutual benefit. Um, the term sort of mutual gets banded about, doesn't it? And even sometimes I use the term mutual and has it have in my uh, professional career. Um, you know, not really thinking about what it meant, um, but I think when you think of it as mutual benefit, it's quite a sort of helpful way to think about it, at least it helps it helps me. So, so the, the, the fundamental difference is that um, uh, a mutual is a member owned organization. So we don't have any shareholders like all the big banks that we know the names of in our minds, um, who have to, uh, clearly a, a bank has to satisfy its customers, um, a shareholder owned bank, um, and, and, and indeed manage its profit and loss and its um, uh, balance sheet positions and all of these things. But ultimately, it is serving actually the shareholder. Um, and the shareholder could be uh, Colin, you or me of that, that large bank you can think of, but also actually it is of course uh, you know, a lot of large organizations and pension schemes and so on, both in this country and internationally. And you can imagine if you think that logically through how the behaviour of a bank could therefore the shareholder run could operate differently than the behaviour of a mutual set up organisation that is for for mutual benefit. So, uh, at the Suffolk Building Society, um, we have um, uh, about 70,000 members, about um, 65,000 of those are are saving members and about 5,000, these are rough numbers, Colin, uh, are are mortgage uh, um, members who have obviously borrowed money for the society to to have a home of their dreams. And uh, and it is those members um, that are eligible to to vote within that number um, that have the opportunity to vote on on key decisions for the society. And of course, Colin, they will typically do that at our annual general meeting each year, um, which is in March of each year, um, or AGM as a lot of people will know it as, um, and the board will then put to the members various decisions, and the members vote on it, and they can vote in it physically in person at the AGM, or, of course, more recently, um, in a digital fashion, um, um, uh, and so on. So, but the point is, it's their votes, and the reason I said right at the beginning of our conversation, Colin, was that I know that 93% of our members voted to move from the Ipswich Building Society to the Suffolk Building Society, because that's not a decision that the society can take. The members take it. Um, so there's an example of it's the members society that, interestingly, not shareholders. Decided mm. that. are members who predominantly live in Suffolk, but don't comp- all live in Suffolk, because obviously we've got members who might live in um, Essex or Cambridgeshire or Norfolk, or even mortgage customers who are further afield, they might be in Wales or in the West Country. Um, but the predominant number of our members, of course, are, are in the east of England.
0: And so what's the history of the society itself?
1: So if we go right back um cold into the beginning so that so I mentioned 172 years ago um so that takes you back um to 1849 can you believe it um so the society was actually founded in 1849 um as the Ipswich and Suffolk Freehold Land Society um so I said it was Ipswich and Suffolk right from the beginning so this Suffolk thing ain't new um so yeah Ipswich and Suffolk Freehold Land Society and that was part of um what at that time around the 1850s um, was a national movement actually um, to give the ordinary person sort of the person on the street if you like the chance to um, buy enough land to enable them to vote actually Um, not just vote for the society but this is vote in the general election Um, so that's quite interesting and and you were only allowed to vote um, if you had you were a freehold land landowner so you actually owned land so that was the um, originally so that was obviously one major objective for an individual, but of course the other more day to day objective, of course, was for the individual to actually have a roof over their heads. Um, in the 1850s. Uh, so so it's quite interesting our mission statement um, we have now within society is to be a safe home for savers, uh, of course, um, but also to provide safe homes for our communities. That's our mission. And it's interesting, here we are in 2021, not too far off 2022, and our mission goes right back to 1849, where it all started. So what would happen is, the group of members would effectively put, after the end of their hard week's work, would put, a put. I was going to say a pound coin, but it would certainly be a pound <laughs> note at that time, um, in, the, in, in the pot, sort of behind the bar. And that would then create a fund, which eventually created enough, funds um, in order for the very first one of those individuals to be able to be able to buy enough land to then build a house and of course vote in the general election so that takes you kind of right back to the kind of very beginning and um and and what you what you would have is there was actually a um a ballot system where you would and we've actually got at the society the original ballot box it's fascinating this it's a, it's a bit like um like best i can it it's a bit like uh, it's not quite like the national lottery draw ball you can remember that it, have in your mind it's a, it's a it's a bit like i think when they do the um they draw the next round of a sports competition and you'll have right. seen it whether it's soccer or whatever sport you like to think about when they, some personality puts their hand in to, and picks out a ball, you know, you know the thing? In a spinning, and, and they pick out number one, and that's whatever it is, Manchester United. Um, but in this, in this particular case, it's actually Joe Bloggs um, or Joanne Bloggs from, um, from, you know, uh, from Ipswich who has the opportunity to actually have the first house from the Ipswich and Suffolk Freehold Land Society. And that's how it would work. So, so the house would then be built, um, and then more more pound notes will go in the um, in the pot, and then the next individual will be able to do it. So that's exactly how the building society movement started. So it's two really simple objectives, which is saving, and the ability to have a roof over your head, um, and of course the bonus was to be able to vote in the general election while you were at it. So that goes right back to 1849 where we started. Um, the societies have of course have gone through a, a number of name changes and things uh, during that time um, but um, and the latest one of course is is renaming to the Suffolk building society but but I think the you know it, it's about what we're there to do in our society that's what this is all about, uh, and we believe the name um, Suffolk Building Society actually is more inclusive in that way, um, because it's about the whole county, and indeed beyond the county, rather than uh, one particular very important town, by the way, where our head office and two of our nine branches are, which of course is Ipswich, Um, but actually it's also about Saxmundham and Halesworth and Paverhill, and of course what all nine branches and our head office can say is we are all Suffolk. And as we like to say, we're Suffolk through and through. Uh, our, our view is that the, the physical branch in the community is an incredibly important part of what we offer our members, even in this digital age. Mm-hmm. And it, we, there are, there are um, two or three, actually, of our nine locations that we've discussed where we are now the, la- the last financial institution in town, if you like, mm-hmm. uh, which is quite interesting, isn't it? So, um, and there's only one I can think of where I think, even in the five years that I've been um, uh, in my role at the Society, that I think, I think three or four of the high street banks have left that particular town during that time, leaving, leaving the Suffolk Building Society, soldiering on, and and we when we continue to soldier on, and 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 so we should because we we are if you look, if you see the um, uh, the pleasure on the face of, uh, of, of, of one of our members as they come in to, to, to do their, what might be a daily or weekly transaction with us and the conversation they have with our really well-trained staff at the Suffolk Building Society. And that sort of human interaction that as you will well know, and possibly even for your own personal experience, Colin, um, with, your, with your banking, cannot, can, can often be very distant indeed and probably with a computer. Um, so that's, you know, we believe there's a very important role for that. But obviously, there's also a very important role for a, the digital provision of services as well. Mm-hmm. But for us, it's and and, not either or, which seems to be the general um, theme from, I think, um, a number of other larger financial institutions that put it that way. And whether they happen to be uh, shareholder owned, well, I'll leave you to think about that.
0: <laughs> so just thinking out through, you were talking about... Um... An agency you probably just need to explain to people what an agency is and yeah. does that form part of your thinking for the future um because obviously there are certain places where you certain towns which you don't serve yeah. is there a view to try to to look at those and see what you're able yeah. to develop is or is that sort of a bit passe agencies are they a thing of the past no it's a re- it's a really
1: good question so I think just to explain the agency specifically and say there's only one agency it's, it's in Capel. Um, so, um, so just to the west of Ipswich. Um, so, uh, say so we don't have our own physical branch there and indeed haven't. Um, but there is a local uh, business there and it, you know in some of times calling this might be a, um, a, it could be for example a solicitor firm it might be an accountancy firm, that sort of thing. Um, and um, where they can make provision to provide some of the services that the Suffolk Building Society want to provide if you like to the community through their office. So they will have a couple of staff um, and there will be a signboard outside saying, we offer Suffolk Building Society services, uh, as well as their own main sort of facial display, if you see what I mean for the particular accountancy firm or law firm that it might be. Um, And and what will happen is that they will be able to, um, a a, a member will be able to come in and transact. Now they'll, they'll be transacting in that case, actually not with one of our staff, um, but one of their staff, if you like, that we have obviously supported the training of, and they have to go through certain, obviously competency uh, requirements to, to ensure that they're at the right level to be managing financial services. You can't do absolutely everything with uh, that particular agency, if you see what I mean, but for the people who live in the Cable area, great. They've got somewhere right there, might be walking distance, might be a short car journey, if that was appropriate. Um, and they don't have to go into the center of Ipswich or perhaps to Hadley, which might be their next nearest from there. So, the, the broader question you asked is, you know, what's the thinking going forward? Well, I, I mean, you know, agencies are absolutely an opportunity going forward. And I'd I, I almost perhaps think even wider than that. So some of the thinking we're doing, and, and, and we're certainly not alone with this in financial services, is can, is there a possibility in addition to our full branch, full service branches so the nine I've described, to have shared services um, with other organisations. Um, now, they've obviously got to be trusted organisations uh, because what we're dealing with money, of course. So um, it has to be absolutely locked down and a you know, quality aspect. And also, uh, you know, what service is it that might need to be provided? So if, if it was more of a um, an opportunity perhaps to, you know, discussion discuss a mortgage opportunity or perhaps you know thinking about what savings plan someone might have without the actual passing of cash backwards and forwards then of course actually the security requirements start to drop away um, at least the physical security requirements uh, etc um uh, clearly the um uh the sort of um uh, privacy security requirements remain just as high in that type of conversation so you have to think about that in terms of the secure setting. so so yes there is uh, I mean I can think of another building society actually in the north of England that has done an arrangement with a local library. Um, so there is within that library if you imagine getting into your local library um, there uh, there is actually a, the provision of a, a, a sort of building society service within that particular library actually in North Yorkshire. Um, and you know that type of thing, it is not impossible that we might be looking to do. And, and, and yes, you know, we would absolutely love to have a greater physical presence um, in other areas of the county. What this is this discussion is leading to is that I think the way that financial services are provided, and remember we're talking about saving services here rather than you know what you might call full current account services, which is not what we provide, um, could be provided in a variety of different ways going forward
0: how are you looking at integrating digital or using digital that you already have?
1: Yeah, absolutely Colin, digital is, is absolutely crucial. So in a, in a, physical is, is the way the society has always been through the um, 172 years and will continue to be, just to be absolutely clear. However, it would be quite wrong as a, a, a modern building society, um, not to um, integrate a digital offering, because actually that's what you know our members want, of course. Um, as well, and I think what our members want quite recently is both and the choice as to how they um, how they interact with with us on a particular day, or indeed an evening or overnight. Um, that's the thing. Um, what we already have, of course, is our website. Um, so we've had a website, obviously, for, for many years, but that on the 9th of um, November, of course, went live. Um, so that's one digital um, initiative on our journey. Uh, the second one is uh, our mortgage origination platform. So again, this isn't something that, that, as it were, the person on the street would see, but it's, it's the interface between the society and the mortgage provider, if that makes sense. So if, Colin, you were to want to have a mortgage yourself um, and you were um, to go to speak to a broker, then that broker or mortgage intermediary would interact with us the way the way that you would give all the details about the house you were interested in, the income you earned, your future financial plans, all this sort of thing. Um, the, the mortgage broker would, would, all that information would come through this, this portal, if you like, to our, us. Um, and we are on the point where we're sort of, deep into the design phase with that. And we're on the point of um, implementing that early in, uh, in 2022. Um, so that's the second thing. And then the third thing, at least at this stage, of course, is, is digital savings. So in the same way, Colin, that you will interact with your high street bank um, that, that you have in the same way that, that I do. So I'm talking about sort of current accounts and things. Um, so as I say, the Suffolk Building Society does not provide current accounts, it's savings accounts. So, it, you know, you, I am sure as I do, would interact with your bank through a digital app that will be sitting on your phone or your tablet or whatever it might happen to be. And one press of you'll click on an image when you of the um, of the brand logo of that particular bank, Colin, and it'll take you straight in now uh, we are we are in the phase of designing that at the minute we're just starting that phase so we um you know i can't promise exact timescales. but we, we once we have got the um uh, mortgage origination platform live early next year then um later next year we would expect colin to be you know in a very progressed position with that going live for our members so there will be some of our members listening to this I'm sure saying come on Suffolk Building Society we'd really like to have the um to, to have a, a savings app out there the answer the answer is we are it is absolutely on our slate and our plan for 2022 um, the exact implementation date is not yet certain i would be quite wrong to promise that um, but later into next year we will be I would say at an advanced stage in development um, and not just actually the um The actual physical app itself, if you like, to be able to interact for your savings with Suffolk Building Society, but also part of a broader understanding of our members and actually what do our members really want um, to complement the digital offering. So it's very important that the digital offering and the physical offering through the branches or perhaps a telephone call with one of our helpful Suffolk Building Society staff or indeed an email that you might write, um, that all of that wraps together and ties up and is consistent because what you don't want is is to go on your app and in two seconds do a transaction whereas you arrive at your branch and find it's you know 15 minutes later because you're in a queue or something you don't you don't want that to be different now i I pause on that point for a moment because it's quite interesting if you think about it and if you think what your high street bank has done when they're faced with that challenge they've got you know my high street bank has actually got a really efficient digital app no problem with the current account i'm pleased with it however the way they've dealt with what i've described is that complete consistent proposition between the digital efficient digital offering and the local branch that i used to have they've dealt with it in a very simple way Colin, you know what they've done they just shut the branch now if you shut the branch then you don't have that um that sort of you know miscommunication if you like or inconsistency between the digital offering and the physical offering. So that's what you might call, I would say, the, um, uh, the rather poor way of dealing with the challenge for your customer of, of having a consistent service. So we're not gonna take that route. So we're taking it, I would say, rather seriously. So that's why it's taking us obviously a little bit longer to make sure that what we offer digitally through a savings app, so when you go on your phone and you press Suffolk Building Society um, app, and of course there is a new logo for that, so that's partly why we had to do this all in this order and get the brand out there first, is you press on that, I want that to feel similar to the experience of walking into a branch, which might mean we need to actually um, enhance some of our experience when you walk into the branch to make it more digital as part of that experience. And indeed, Colin, you might walk in and say, actually, my app's not working today on Suffolk Building Society. You'll walk in say, and, you'll, and you'll go uh, to one of our staff and actually it's important that they are trained to a level that says, oh, that's no problem, Colin. I can help you with that. Um, and, and it all joins together. So I think this sort of digital um, versus physical and consistent offering is incredibly important. And that actually, for us as a society, is one of the two key things that we plan to do in 2022, is to get that right.
0: So just focusing on the fact that this is a big project that you've been working on and obviously the rebranding, the renaming, all yeah. of that. Um, you said earlier you've been on the, in the role for five years. Were these all things that you anticipated when you joined?
1: Now that's a good question. Um, I, so when I joined, um, yeah, five years ago, I think it was from the first of December, um, two thousand and sixteen. I think, technically speaking, was uh, was my first day uh, at the society in terms of the chief executive officer role, because our our financial year starts at the beginning of December every year. So as you can see, it's just, uh, what you might call coming up around now. So, um, so uh, you know, as I thought about that role as, as indeed I went through the interview process with the board at that time. Um, of course, Colin, digital was all over the agenda. Um, what, what the digital plan might be both on the savings side, but also actually on the mortgage and mortgage intermediary side and what a web, you know, the website position and so on. But it is interesting, isn't it? Even between the, in that well almost precise five year period, um, how much the world has changed. So, what the expectation in my interview in my early days at the job in from December two thousand and sixteen, you know when thinking about a savings app um, or how mortgage and in, mortgage intermediary market would work through a mortgage origination platform, or let alone what the expectation of a website would be, and indeed a separate one, for the um, mortgage our mortgage um, intermediary. It's just accelerated so fast beyond imagination during that time i think the other thing is that uh, there are a number of things colin i couldn't predict um, so, so please don't ask me the um uh, you know what my racing tips are for tomorrow afternoon at <laughs> like Sandown or something because um, they probably wouldn't be very good um, is is you know had we heard of something called covid the pandemic i don't think so If you were doing some planning on what might happen to a business in the United Kingdom in February 2020, what could possibly go wrong? Well, none of us could have prepared ourselves for what then happened in the the last 18 months. You know, every business model has been stretched to breaking point, hasn't it? But the interesting thing is, is that thanks to the quality of the work we are required to do for the regulator, and indeed we do and more, is actually the financial health of the Suffolk Building Society is as strong now as it's ever been. Um, so, you know, we have to do all sorts of modeling and what ha- might happen to balance sheets and what, all this sort of thing. Um, and that includes various physical scenarios as well as you can imagine with cyber risk and, um, and, and, you know, physical pandemic and, and, and so on. But but my goodness me, we've, uh, we've been tested, Colin. We all have um, in our personal lives, uh, and certainly in our professional lives. So it's been a it's been a really fascinating period, if I can put it that way, but not one not one that I'd like to repeat, as I'm sure. You would.
0: No, I'm sure you don't want to repeat that. I just wonder though if we could explore it a little bit, and just ask a few questions about how how you coped as an organisation. Uh, what's happened to your staff? What's happened to savers? And then maybe we'll come on to mortgages yeah. in a minute or two. I,
1: I guess what I'd say at the sort of top level is that that period has been, uh, you know, for us has been about, I guess, well, three things I would say, protecting our members, our customers, whether that's our mortgage members or indeed our saving members. It's been about protecting us, off, uh, of course, remembering we've got, well, one hour around 150 staff um, uh, and, you know, a, a sort of good kind of 40 or so of those are physically in the branches every day. Um, so they, you know, there's no, there's no working from home, <laughs> from for our branch staff across the nine branches. They are physically there in their uniforms, so with their, with their face masks on and their screens up, supporting every single day our members right across the county. And I'm extremely proud of what um, those um, our branch staff have done day in, day out through the last 18 months. Um, in addition to that, um, and, 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 and of course our head office staff as well, um, have done a fantastic job and a number of those have been, have been working at home and I'll explain that a little bit more in a moment, um, some obviously physically in head office as well in a sort of blend, um, but they, uh, but they some have been working at home when frankly they haven't really wanted to, um, they would much rather leave home behind and go to work like they have done for the last 10, 20, 30 years, uh, and that's been quite a change in um, mentally as well as kind of physically on how they've gone about it so it's been about our members it's been about our staff and protecting both groups but it's also about been about actually protecting the business uh, and making sure remembering that it's owned not by us it's owned by our members so it's about ensuring it's sustainable um uh, for the future and and the fact that we've you know to cut a long story short if you like here we are 18 months on we have just put the energy into changing our name for very good reasons um, to the Suffolk Building Society as supported by our members. Um, But actually during that period, we've seen our savings, the savings um, grow with us during that period and there are good reasons economically why that's happened of course. Um, But also actually we've seen mortgage pipeline um, and indeed mortgage written at some of the highest levels we've ever seen in the society's history and that's kind of quite interesting so the society' is actually in great financial shape but but but, but more importantly we've actually been able to support um, our members by providing a safe home for their for their funds and of course they've had some extra funds often because they've not had a chance to spend them so we've provided that safe home for savers but we've also provided safe homes for our communities by providing extra mortgages and uh, you know extra housing during, during that time so it's been a, an extraordinary time incredibly busy and and i would like just to take this opportunity to thank all of our staff for the most fantastic job they have done in extremely challenging circumstances not just professionally but of course what's going on in their home lives at the same time as well by the way you know they've got children at school who've perhaps caught COVID and then have to come back and they've had to self-isolate and all the things that, frankly, we all had to do. But to do that and then get your suit on and go off to, you know, to Albro branch and and serve uh, our our members, because actually, you know, we are key workers, by the way. And, you know, to to do that job in the community is is, is a fantastic performance. What in the building society we had to do was obviously prepare for the worst uh, and, and do everything we could in very short order at the same time to actually manage the situation so if I were to uh, you know describe what we physically had to do it might also uh, perhaps help the listener think about this which again will be no different to the type of thing that everyone else has had to do in their own business um but just might just be interesting to see that what a financial services firm had to do um so we had um so for our branches just like obviously a lot of general retail operations um, of, of any other business um we it was it was you know obviously it was going to be it was face masks it was um screens clear messaging to um, our, our customers or our members as they came into the branch about wearing a face mask all the things you'd expect if you would go into um you know a, a well-run other retail institution and it's probably fair to say that not all of them are well run um so you, you'll make your own judgment on that um and of course some of our customers were more or less keen to wear a face mask uh, didn't think it was necessary etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, So, so, but we had to be rightly supportive for the other members who might be in um, the branch that day and, of course, for our staff. So that was a whole load of what you might call new procedures, new rules and everything, both for our members, but also for our staff. Then if you turn to the head office, um, uh, where roughly speaking, we have about 100 people. If I were to say, um, Colin, that probably in March of last year, 20 of those 100 people had a laptop computer, the other 80 had a physical desktop. And coming to work in their mind, either for a year or perhaps 35 years, um, uh, we have people who've been with us all sorts of different lengths of times and from different diverse backgrounds. And if you, you know, can, can imagine the coming to work for a number of people meant arriving at work, coming into the office, popping the kettle on for a first cup of tea, popping the computer on the fixed um, workstation and starting work and talking to their colleagues and doing their professional work and supporting our our customers. So suddenly we had to work out how to get laptops over a phased period. And by the way, laptops were almost impossible to get, of course, because everyone else fancied a laptop at that time for the remaining 80 staff. Um, And in the meantime, we couldn't wait. We had to get them home, but to continue, because we're a key, key workers, we had to continue to support our customers, um, so that meant sort of in the back of sort of Voxel courses and everything else, went fix workstations, office chairs, extra monitors, keyboards, and packing people off, it, 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 you know, quick order back to find some space in their busy homes, a back bedroom, you know, it, it, you know, back, back in, for some of our younger staff, that meant being back home with mum and dad, which I imagine wasn't their wildest dreams Um, that's probably either the individual or their mom and dad but there we are Um, uh, so all of that suddenly had to happen and suddenly the you know one could communicate with each other because you know things like you know teams and zoom and all these other facilities were either in their infancy or frankly not available for me and again financial services just like an hsbc and a barclays bank like i said we've got to do all the same stuff with our it team and, you know, our head of IT and the team did an absolutely fantastic job. Calmly supported, you know, the IT tech, the technology, but also actually the telephony as well. Remember, we've got incoming calls to our head office that, that needed to be dealt with by someone in someone's back bedroom, you know, in Lowestoft or wherever it might be. So the, the, just the, the, the connectivity for all of that to happen had to work. So so there was there's a lot of physical stuff in the branches in head office. Um, and and um, and then of course there were some staff in head office who did need to come in, um, so we had sort of of the hundred staff in head office. We you know we were down to about I think about twelve or something at its lowest number of, of of those who were physically in head office because they needed to be for reasons uh, um, I could explain if you wanted, um, but but we clearly needed to do that to manage the pandemic in an, in a in a responsible way to minimise. Um, Uh, the chance of transmission and heavens above we've done that i would like to think that as a society we've done what we needed to do um, to support our members um to keep people safe that's our members and our staff um and also to keep the business safe uh for its future and i i would like to say we've done that would i um as i look back Was every decision, and the speed of every decision that we took internally over 18 months perfect? Frankly, Colin, it wasn't. But what I can say is that, you know, as we sort of rounded the corner into 2021, in the sort of what you might call the second half of the pandemic, if I can put it that way, um, just at the time actually when some of the... um, some of the rates were at their worst of course you'll remember what happened last Christmas and kind of Christmas was cancelled and all that stuff um then I would I would say you know we have had actually a, a really fantastic response having dealt with that very difficult murky period back in um kind of March and April and May of last year of uh, 2020 then I think as we've come through um into this year um there's been actually really quite a positive feeling I would say, by our staff, and, and indeed, most importantly, the, the, the quality of the service they provided our members as a result of that. So communication, I think, internally has been strong, um, particularly as the pandemic has gone on. Um, but yeah, there, of course, there are some lessons learned, because you can't uh, deal with a sort of war footing uh, with everything going perfectly.
0: On the subject of what's happened subsequently, thinking of mortgages, the housing markets, um, I doubt many of us expected to see the housing market to continue to grow so strongly uh, when we were in the middle of everything in our first lockdown. Uh, what's caused that? And I'm not asking you to predict the future because, as you said, that's probably not what we could be doing or should be doing. But um, can that carry on forever?
1: It's a really good question. And I think that you, can, uh, you could write, I'll just say, a book, but probably several books about the um, British um, uh, housing market and it's, and its ups and its downs and, and indeed just probably our national view of the importance of in particular the importance of owning a house interestingly because if you if you um, look um, onto the rest of the continent um, and, and the view often and you'll know this um, in, in other countries actually that you know people are very happy actually um, to, to, uh, to rent or lease houses over a long periods. And that's often deep into the culture obviously some people own houses of course they do but in um in England and Wales which is actually the particular parts of the United Kingdom that we um, provide mortgages for anywhere in England or Wales um then actually there is there is a view about kind of owning your own house isn't it um but but it, it, you know interestingly what where we're at in terms of our you know, I, t- I said about our mission, you know, it's not necessarily just about owning the house. It's actually about providing safe homes for our communities. So it is as important, in my view, to be able to provide not only that classic first home. I mean, I, you know, I do I own my own house, and I remember the very first home that I owned. And, we, we, you know, if we're lucky enough to own a house, we'll all remember that. So, you know, the, the home for the first-time buyer is, of course, incredibly important. The foot on the housing ladder, all that sort of thing. But actually, you know, that's not right for everybody. And, you know, but it is important that everyone's got a roof over their heads, which is back right to 1849. And the reason that the society in its first form uh, was was set up. So, you know, there is a, there is a market for the buy to let um, market. There, you know, there is a market for shared ownership. There is a market for um, perhaps the self-built which, okay, that would be um, typically owning the house and owning the, you know, the freehold, but um, but actually that's then creating a brand new kind of home of your dreams, if you like. So there are many aspects of the mortgage market, of the different um, kind of niches, if you like, if I can put it that way, rather than what you might call the absolutely standard uh, approach that people think of, a, sort of what you might call standard residential lending, which is to um, just sort of, you know, buy and sell a, what you might call a regular house. So. Um, I I think, you know, the the shape of the mortgage market in this country, I say, has always been a fascination, Um, you know, has has had its ups and its downs and its crashes and its surges. Um, And a lot of the national wealth, of course, is attacked, both um, publicly and privately, um, is in the value of the properties that people own. um, as a result of that, it is no wonder that it's what you might call quite a sort of fluctuating index. But the, the, generally speaking, if over like, provided you can play that that index over a long period, and it sounds like I'm talking about the stock market, doesn't it? But then you know it, the general trend obviously has been upwards. You can only th- you know you need to think about what a house might have been worth in 1990 or um, you know 1970 or 1914. You know the numbers are clearly generally up. So, my if you want a prediction, and I'm going really stick my neck out here, is that over time, generally, they will go up. However, will they go up specifically between one year and the next, or one month and another month in a particular geography? I just can't say that. Um, so, it it, it 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 is a market, and it, it you know it's back to basic economics, and it's about the the seller, and it's about the buyer, and it's about that interaction and 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 demand and supply. So, it but it's during the pandemic um you've seen all of that fueling so w- there was a period early in the pandemic when we thought the whole you know all bets are off that's it sort of end of the mortgage market sort of thing um he says some dooms- doomsday say um but actually the interesting thing is there was a period and again we all have to cast our minds back a bit now but if you remember back to about i think it was about sort of may june july of 2020. So this is two or three months into the pandemic. Basically, the mortgage market locked down completely. It just couldn't move. And the reason it was a physical thing, actually, because, because we were that we were all in lockdowns during various periods. Not only could Colin, your eye, not go out and make the viewing of the house we might wanted to buy, might want to buy, the person who might want to buy your house also couldn't get out of their house to come and have a look at it. Even if you looked at it online and thought, I'll have that then, um, or you knew it anyway. Then of course the surveyor couldn't come out and do the survey, so there was a period of a number of weeks where the survey market completely locked down. We were all locked down, so it was gridlock basically in the in the mortgage market. And as as as, one of our, as given that we have two purposes in life, one is to be a safe home for savers, and one is to provide uh, mortgages and um, as you know, safe homes for our communities is is um, well, hang on one of the things we just couldn't do anymore so that was extraordinary it completely froze and then of course what you'll then remember is that lockdown started to lift over the summer just due to government rules Um, but in addition to that um, what happened of course the government introduced the um stamp duty arrangement to, to to fuel the market oh my goodness did that fuel the market so that was a couple of cans of petrol on the fire and and it took off so, um, so what we, that's why I mentioned unprecedented demand, because we then saw f- what for us was a record mortgage pipeline. And, and interestingly, the, the um, sort of price setting, if you like, across the whole financial market became incredibly volatile. Uh, so some of the big players who've got the, kind of the fanciest systems and the digital lists and that could, could change overnight their pricing. So sometimes we found um, that we were, you know, we, we had mortgages, we, we were almost the only place open for certain mortgages nationally. So you can imagine what it did to our pipeline. Um, and then the reverse also happened at certain moments. So, so we were, but the point is that we were open for business all of that um, time, Colin. And, and the, yes, the pipeline grew and we had to work very hard to get through it. But I'm pleased to say that we have done that and, um, and provided a lot of people, um, a lot of people, actually, a lot of first-time buyers actually got their first homes because of the um, stamp duty arrangement. Um, but also other people who are perhaps moving up, or uh, you know having a buy-to-let or a holiday let or uh, whatever it might have been. Um, all of that happened during that period. So it was—it's been incredibly volatile. Um, obviously, pricing of mortgages has been at an all-time low, with you know sort of record low bank base rate, which linked is obviously linked to mortgages. Um, And, you know, it's been it has been a very good time for people to get, um, you know, to to take out a mortgage and do that. And and we've supported people doing that. So it but but if you're going to ask me what's going to happen
0: next. Well, that's a different conversation. Your um, society was put together for people to have a home, to have a roof over their heads. And I think probably if we approach the housing market as that's the objective, it's about putting a roof over someone's head um, rather than this is how I'm going to make lots of money, I think. Yeah.
1: If, I, if I take my example, I've got, um, I've got four children, actually, and um, Colin and three of them they're in their, the three older ones are in their, um, they're in their early 20s. And all three of them have got jobs in London, actually, as people often do in their early 20s. And of course they don't. They don't own their, the, hack, the, the roof over the head. Of course they don't. How could they possibly? Well, he would struggle to anywhere at that age, but certainly in London, you've got no chance. If You look at the price. Um, so, of course, what they do, they're, 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 you know, in each case, they're with friends um, and they, sh- you know, they're on a, a flat or a house show. Um, and, and they don't own the property, they rent it. Um, but for in order for three of my four children, uh, the other one is at home, um, uh, the, you know, three of my four children to have a roof over their head in London, they need to be renting a property which requires somebody else to have a either own their property or to undertake an a bite to let in order to provide it to them so okay that's uh you know that's one particular example that's so that's three people who are working in this country and contributing to the economy that's how their roof goes over their head but actually also if you think about it closer to home in suffolk um then the you know the, the roof it can be a providing roof overhead in all sorts of situations including Um, situations that are you know more challenging so some of the things that we're able to do in the community as you know Suffolk Building Society does a lot of stuff in the community uh, one thing and another but we do have an arrangement where we work with um, an organization called Suffolk Hold and Suffolk Hold actually helps um, uh, disabled individuals to be able to have a property and and have a roof over their head. So that's a really great um, Suffolk initiative Um, and the wonderful people who who are involved in that scheme. So we're able to do that. And and so there's another example of providing a safe home for our communities in that particular case. So you can, as you think about that further, there are all sorts of opportunities in the county of Suffolk we love that that actually provides opportunities around that and that the building society can help with.
0: As we just come to a bit of a close on this, uh, Richard, you've just mentioned your family. Um, I'm interested in what happened prior to this five years of you taking on this role. So uh, when you were when you were young and you were talking to a careers teacher, you say, I'd love to lead a building society at some stage in <laughs> future life? What, what was the evolution to that point?
1: When I left school and then um, uh, university, um I actually went in I've always been actually in financial services so I spent um I joined uh, Barclays actually on, a, on their graduate program they had a graduate program I joined in um 1989 I think it was um so I did a four-year graduate program which actually I have to say uh, was fantastic as I look back on it, it you know the, the the quality of the graduate programs that certainly were provided at that time I obviously can't comment on On the ones that are there available now, were really well structured, um, deep grounding in financial services, but just not the not just the technical aspect, um, um, but also actually the broader aspects of 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 people management, leadership, communication, all the other things that frankly are pretty useful in life in business. So I did I did um, those four years, but actually that that was part of a sixteen year. Uh, career with Barclays uh, in a number of different roles Um, but if I were as well as obviously for the the, the kind of uh, the sort of you know savings lending element of that um, then I guess there were probably two main themes to it one was leadership so I had a number of different leadership positions including um, um, uh, leadership positions uh, actually in in, uh, part part of this geography as well in the east of England Um, but Uh, but then I then went on to do 10 years with um Clydesdale and Yorkshire Bank again leadership positions um but the theme that runs through both of them says leadership but also actually um uh, sort of change management and program management um so those two disciplines as well as the financial services bit um I guess is something that's run right through my career um and that kind of you know, I, I would like to think um, moving into the leadership position at, um, as Chief Executive Officer of the Suffolk Building Society, that as well as the sort of financial grounding, having um, a kind of the ability to manage change, and we've talked about changing our name uh, and various other digital changes and things like that, is, is is really important together with the leadership ability. And actually that's probably the theme that's run through. So yeah, my, my career has really been Barclays Bank 16 years, Plystal and Yorkshire Bank. Uh, for 10 years where i was regional director for the east of england actually so again um and i'm know the patch um uh, i've done a little bit of consultancy as well uh, in between and then um from december 2016 chief executive officer at the society so that's been my
0: background of that well you've certainly taken on something with an amazing heritage and i guess you're looking forward another 150 odd years that <laughs> <laughs> you hope you can hand it on to somebody else to take it further but uh... Uh, what are your what are your immediate challenges um, You know, as you as you sit here today? Yeah, so I think um,
1: so in terms of challenges, I think perhaps the way I would look at it is um, uh, perhaps look at our responsibilities in some ways, and I think our responsibility as the Suffolk Building Society is to support our community in Suffolk and the east of England. Um, And the way we do that, of course, is providing savings on the one hand, uh, you know, safe home for savings, as well as, as I described, um, the, um, you know, safe homes for our communities in the form of mortgages of various types that we've talked about in in this conversation. So that's our kind of primary function. Um, We're also an employer. Um, so in terms of that responsibility about 150 people who almost all live in Suffolk um, or the you know uh, you know po- possibly in the surrounding counties but most um, are most actually in Suffolk so that's 150 people whose livelihoods clearly depend on on the society um, it, and 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 our responsibility you know also is actually just the community more generally so you know we mentioned about uh, things like Suffolk Hold where we support people um, or have been able to support a number of disabled people across the county to have a roof over their head in a safe setting. But we've also been involved, as you know, um, more broadly with things like the Suffolk Community Foundation, with the Rebuilding Local Lives Appeal that you'll know about, um, the Surviving Winter Appeal, etc. And, you know, we can do that because of the fact we are locally based in Suffolk and we've got nine branches which are a sort of window, if you like, onto the local community. Um, We can also do that clearly, some of those activities through our our, um, uh, website uh, as well. But I think this is where the sort of the digital opportunity going forward, as well as the physical opportunity and and having rebranded too, just gives us that extra momentum to do that. And, you know, and, and I also mentioned, I think earlier in the conversation about you know our responsibilities around environmental social and corporate governance and all three of those sort of ESG type responsibilities are equally important actually um we've talked quite a bit about governance actually one thing and another perhaps without knowing it in the conversation but around um environmental then uh, clearly climate change is the challenge of the day and um, we've got a role to play as a society Um, I think we've we've done a lot of financial education, Colin, with um, with with schools of primary and secondary school age, actually, and actually with prisoners as well as as individuals from prison have come out of prison and kind of um, reintegrated into society. We've been involved in some financial education there. So there is we will obviously continue to do that when when we're allowed to do that sort of thing post the pandemic. But, But but, you know, why shouldn't we also be involved in climate education? As well as financial education, so perhaps in schools or with whoever, um, financial and climate education, and do our bit to support the other great um, uh, firms or non-governmental organisations around, you know, the county who are who are doing a terrific job around that, and indeed around diversity and inclusion. So you know, we are. I you know diverse and inclusive employer, we want to become increasingly so. um, But we also have a responsibility to be diverse and inclusive within the community that we serve. Um, And that's incidentally, whether it's the East of England and Suffolk, or actually anywhere in our mortgage community, if you like, which could be as I say, it could be Wales, or anywhere else in England as well. So um, we are not exclusive, we are inclusive. And that's another responsibility that we have. But um, you know, in terms of the challenges, you know, I think I think it's really ensuring that we deliver all of that, that we continue on our digital journey, that we ensure the 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 experience for our members, um, whether that's digitally or physically, is united uh, and joined up. Again, unlike a number of our larger competitors, if I can put it that way, um, uh, and that we kind of stay true to our roots and back to what we kind of were set up to do all the way back 172 years ago in 1849 but in a thoroughly modern
0: setting. So a very big thank you to Richard from the Suffolk Building Society. I hope that you'll join us again on another episode of the Suffolk Money Podcast. And I'd just like to say a very big thank you to the team that supports me with all of this. The Joy Day for her marketing and design skills, for Kevin and Sally Birch for booking speakers and editing this into a very helpful and usable format. We hope that you can join us again. And may I encourage you to subscribe so that you're always aware of any new episode that we issue. Thank you very much for joining us and we hope that we'll see you again soon.